Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Illinois comes into the Breslin uh, this Saturday at noon. Uh, Illinois is 18-7 overall, 11-4 in the Big Ten. Um, and they're coming off a pretty healthy loss to Rutgers uh, the other night, um, which brings their last three games. There are two of three in the last. They lost pretty badly to Purdue. Uh, then they picked up a win against Northwestern at home. Uh, and then they lost at the rack. Um, but still 15th overall in Ken Palm, 14th in the net. Um, MSU is 23rd and then 27th in the net. Um, so on offense, they're 25th. On defense, they're 23rd. Um, MSU is now down to 32 on offense and 50 on defense. Uh, so what... What are you looking at coming into this one? They will, of course, they'll have Kofi this time, but that they hasn't will. helped them as much in the last three and, games. And Curbelo. Yeah. Uh, look, I think that we're deep enough into Big Ten play now, basically two-thirds to three-quarters through conference play, depending upon which team you're talking about, that I feel comfortable saying this is a league – with a lot of warts mm-hmm. in a year where there are a lot of warts with teams nationally. I mean, I could be proven wrong. Somebody, you know, one of these West coast teams, Gonzaga or Arizona or UCLA could go marching through the tournament and look great and win the whole thing. Um, but I, I gotta say every time you're ready to anoint a team, as as being the best, quote-unquote. And that's true in the Big Ten, and it's true nationally. Yeah. Said team tends to fall apart. I mean, there was a point that I was actually beginning to wonder, seriously, if Baylor was somehow better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. Because all these new guards they had, either guys that were playing a lot more than they did last year or some new faces like Kinjo, there was a, a point well into January where those guys were incredible. Well, the the shines come off a little bit. Still a good team, but there are issues. You know, uh-huh. they're not they're not great. There's I haven't seen anybody that's been able to hold on to that mantle of greatness, and that's true nationally, and that's true in the league. I still part of me, and we haven't spent a ton of time talking about Purdue because MSU hasn't seen them yet. But I think you know. Uh, I was extremely high on Purdue coming into the season. Um, I thought they were easily the best team in the Big Ten. Nobody, you know, Michigan was getting a lot of preseason love, if you can believe that now, mm-hmm. as a favorite. And I thought people were crazy. As a, Purdue is so obviously the best team coming into this season. And boy, those first few weeks, you know, into some point in December, it looked that way. But they are a truly horrific defensive team. I mean, every bit as bad as a Fran McCaffrey, Iowa team. Mm. So are they great? No, they're great offensively. They're not a great team. Illinois. It's not as striking. You just mentioned the numbers. They're mid twenties, both offensively and defensively. So that's usually an equation for a team that can do some damage. Yeah. You know, you want to be top 30 in both, ideally. And and so on on the surface, you'd look at that and say, well, maybe they're the best team. And, uh, you know, they have a, an unstoppable weapon in the post in Coburn. They have a lot of guys who are good shooters around him. They've been pretty good defensively, actually better lately than they were earlier in the year. Yeah, uh, They've got good depth. So you'd say, okay, well, they're... They've lost two or three, and they got bombed. I mean, Purdue blitzed them. 
and Rutgers ended up winning, I think, by 13, but they were up 20 late in that game. Mm -hmm. That was a bombing. And the game Illinois won in the middle of those two, they had to hold off Northwestern in Champaign-Urbana. Yeah. And that that was after almost losing to Northwestern a few games before that. That's right. They have not been great. That's just the truth. And, you know, that loss brought them to four losses. So here we are, and, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State, we all know where we're at. That I was glad to see Izzo's post game, mm-hmm. or not not even post game, the press conference today, because the things he said made me feel better about the way I felt and probably the way I came off in our post game, because uh-huh. um, he said basically all the same things you and I talked about. This was it was about effort, it was about toughness, it was all those things that were absent. So for as upset as we all are about Michigan State. They're one game back in the loss column. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of teams. Hey, they're all piled you know up could, there. You know, I was, I was, uh, I, I did a segment um, of before the Penn State game with Jack Ebling for his radio show. The, for those who don't know, I assume most do, but longtime columnist for the uh, Lansing State Journal. He's been a radio guy in Lansing for years, too. Mm-hmm. And, and then he, he had a couple of other guys on yesterday. And uh, made a reference back to our conversation, and um, I, I, you know, one of the things that we talked about was was this very phenomenon that you know everybody's everybody's got warts, and he made the point yesterday, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but on the merits, you have to give it a chance. Rutgers could win this thing. Yeah, they're right Rutgers there. Absolute, they're, aren't they 10 and 5, I think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could win this thing. We were saying, boy, and you want to talk about a Babe Ruthian calling my shot. Before our, the MSU's Rutgers game, I said they've got no chance at the tournament because they're sitting in a horrible position in the net, and they've got this murderer's row of games. Well, <laughs> they haven't lost since. Mm-hmm. And they've been winning. They haven't just been winning. They've been kicking people's asses. I mean, they really have. Now, granted, a lot of those have come at home where they're they're clearly a better team. I mean, they they might have currently the best home court advantage in the conference. Um, it's it's right up there. Yeah. I mean, they get great crowds. It's it's not a big building, so you don't have to get a lot of people to get it noisy. But they get great crowds, and those crowds are on it, and they're giving them something to cheer for. And they've been great. So anyway, for all the complaining, and and it's all legitimate, I'm not saying it isn't, Michigan State's one game back in the loss column. So, And the three teams that that are ahead of them, they get to play. Right. Yep. Illinois, two of them at home. Illinois and Purdue, and then at Ohio State. They've got some other games, of course. they got this. uh, they they got to go to Iowa. they got to go to Michigan. Uh, they got a home game against Maryland, so there's a bunch left. But, you know, if, and it's a big if, but if Michigan State were to find a level of consistency in their play, it is all still there for them. I thought in November Purdue was going to run away and hide. And that doesn't happen very often in this league because the quality of the competition is so good and with unbalanced scheduling, the way it usually works out, it seems in recent years, is you've got a bunch of teams right in there with each other, and oftentimes we're dealing with co-champions, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to run away and hide. I mean, the last time I remember that happening was probably that Wisconsin team in 15 that went to the national title game. It was the last time I thought, okay, there's somebody that's just head and shoulders better than everybody else, and it's not even a, a competition. Yeah. Well, that hasn't happened because Purdue can't guard anybody. So here we are, a bunch of teams with four, a couple of teams with five, some other teams lurking with six. I mean, who knows? But I, I, getting back to the point of all this after a lot of rambling, um, Illinois is a good team. They are not a great team. And, and part of the reason they're not a great team, I think, is that lately we've seen some offensive issues cropping up. 
mm-hmm. uh, particularly their jump shooting. They have not been good. Not the way they were earlier in the year. Earlier, they, you know, For a lot of the season, they were just behind Michigan State as a three-point shooting team. Mm-hmm. They've been they've struggled lately. Yeah, the thirty six percent overall, but they're only thirty point seven percent over the last three games, and seventy two yeah. from two. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a problem, you know. And and look, they've clearly got guys who could turn that around. They've got proven shooters. I I you, I don't go into this game feeling relaxed like ah Illinois is done. Mm-hmm. as a shooting team but the facts are they've been struggling with it and it's a lot of guys it's not just one guy it's you can go down the line frazier grandison Plummer. they're all shooting much worse lately so is that a trend that's going to continue or was it a relatively limited blip we'll see um the dangerous team can i i think defensively we saw the game the first game in champaign a lot of guys who can check. I mean, yeah. I think Frazier is great defensively, and a lot of those other guys, a lot of those other perimeter guys guard pretty well, too. They get into you. Uh, the problem is I think they were better equipped in that game to defend Michigan State than they will be in this one because Coburn's a problem. Mm-hmm. He just he can't move. So if you can make him move in the half court or drag his ass in transition, either way, you're, you're putting miles on him. You're running the gas tank down. And I think you're also exposing Illinois to um, a flaw that they have defensively when he's in there. And then on top of that, he doesn't give them rim protection. He's averaging less than a block a game despite being a seven-footer. So he's not even giving you that. I mean, he's not completely useless. Obviously, with his he takes up so much space yeah. that that has a value. But it's not, you know, they're, they're, they're a good defensive team. They're not a great one because they have some flaws. They're also kind of small on the perimeter at times. They've got some lineups they can play where they get bigger, but they're starting two guards who are listed at 6-1, and in Frazier's case, that's probably generous. Yeah. Um, that's... No. That's not ideal. So the thing you worry about on uh, on defense, at least for Michigan State, though, is their rebounding when with Coburn in there because they, yeah. I mean, they've gone down quite a bit. They were fourth in the country in offensive rebounding. Now I'm down to twenty sixth, and that's with him playing. I don't, yeah. I don't get it, but yeah, it's been a big drop. And that's the, if there's one thing that you could point to with Michigan State, it's the rebounding has just been. It's it's the number one thing, it's, it's right? Most disappointing. And, and, and even at 26th, uh, that's considerably better than the teams that have been absolutely tattooing Michigan State. Mm-hmm. So does Michigan State have an issue coming into this one? Oh, you better believe they do. Yeah. They they dominated Illinois on the glass in the first game, but that was without Coburn. Mm-hmm. So can they figure it out? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a key, especially if Illinois continues to struggle shooting the ball good God, the last thing in the world you can afford to do is give them second and third chances. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a huge factor. Uh, So then the other thing is they're 55 in terms of percent of their offense coming from three. So a lot of playoff Coburn. Yeah, well, we know this. I mean, it's really their offense is is largely Coburn in the post or guys shooting jumpers. I mean, occasionally somebody like Frazier will get something going to the rim, but but for the most part, that's what it is. So you can figure that they're going to use Coburn to try to set that stuff up. Um, they've been effective in that way pretty much all year in getting shots and for most of the year in terms of making them. So, um, you know, I, I think that and we'll talk about this also as we move through it. Uh, I suspect what we're going to see is Michigan State play their traditional straight up in the post mm-hmm. against Coburn. I, I don't I don't see them doing a, a lot of aggressive digging down. I don't think you can afford to yeah. with this team. I know they've been struggling lately, but we know they've got guys that could bust out of it. This is not this is not Indiana. Mm. This is not a team that all year long is struggling you figure all right. They're not and MSU really wasn't even that aggressive digging down against um against IU. 
Um, but I, I don't think they can afford to in this game. So you've got to be cognizant of the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing they do really well on defense is, is the two, defend the two. And Michigan State has not been all that great at twos. Um, 80th overall in effective field goal percentage. But when you think of how good they're shooting threes. Right, right. That's... Well, it's, it stands to reason, right? Because let's think about it. Post offense outside of marble and sometimes hall, pretty limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they get occasional penetration buckets at the rim from Hogard. And that's kind of about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, the other stuff I mean, is kind of mid rangey. Well, but that's still that those still count as twos, but they haven't been great in the mid range, you know. Yeah. Lately, I think, um, I think somebody like uh, um, Tyson Walker in that Penn State game was actually pretty good mm-hmm. shooting the mid range. I'd like to see them take more of those shots, at least from him. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something that's been a strength of the Illini defense and it hasn't been a strength of Michigan State's offense yeah and we haven't seen a lot out of out of Hauser down low no uh, not since the beginning of this year they and this is a like game where you know you look at it physically I mean Grandison's played pretty well for Illinois but Grandison's given up like three inches mm-hmm. that's something that Joey should be able to do but will they look to him? Will he? That might be one where I, I would feel more confidence with Malik Hall maybe exploiting that matchup. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the other thing you could say about them, they're uh, pretty slow. Geez, 283rd in the country um, in that offense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's – I look, I think that that's for a reason. Uh with Coburn, you know, if you don't have a big man that can run the floor, it it gets hard to really be a great transition team. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of need that if you want to be really great. And I, and then on the other hand, I think they really like the idea, and I get why, of playing through Coburn on offense as their best option because they figure well either he's going to create looks for himself or he's going to create wide-open shot opportunities for others because they've got to pay so much attention to him. And that's a pretty sound approach, but it means you got to play a slower pace because you got to wait for him to get down there and, and run your offense through him. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so then if we look at the players, uh, Trent Frazier, 6'1", super senior, 12.4 points a game, 41, 34, and 86. Uh, he leads them in assists, 91. Uh, leads in steals with 33. And he's been playing great defensively. That's their man. Yeah. I mean, like, it should be at least. He's, you know, he's struggled with his shooting lately, but I, I don't think there's much doubt that he is the reason they're in the position they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Curbelo. Uh, with his injuries and that illness has never really been able to claim that spot. I maintain they are a much better team for Frazier having to be the guy, but I think Frazier has developed this season into something he just hadn't been before. And if, if you look at Michigan state's team and you say, well, they don't have a leader, they don't have a a focal point, you know, what are one of these? Why would we think that any of these guys are going to develop into that? Blah blah blah. I say, look at Trent Frazier. Trent Frazier was a guy who, until this year, really wasn't ever able to be that guy, mm-hmm. and found it. He is their leader. There's no question in my mind. You watch them play; it's obvious. And I think he's given them a steady hand at the point. He's not a spectacular point guard, but you don't have to be. When you've got good weapons around you, you don't have to be spectacular. You just need to make the right reads and make good, solid decisions. And he's done that. Yeah. Um, and defensively, boy, he's a guy who's capable of being an absolute terror. Yeah, and he led them in scoring in the first game. Um, but Michigan State did do a good job on him on the three-point line. He only had he was two for ten for threes. Um, 
Yeah, they he got off to a hot start and then they really shut him down. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's again, he's one of these guys struggling lately. He could bust out. Yeah. Uh, and then Damani Williams, uh, four points a game, thirty minutes, twenty nine, thirty two from the floor or from three and fifty from the line, which is a massive drop from last year. And he yeah. didn't he didn't get any points in the first one. Yeah. He look, he's in there, I think, for a few reasons. Uh, he's a good defensive player. He's a veteran. He makes generally good decisions. He's second on the team in assists. Uh, and he's a pretty good rebounder, despite only being six three, second on their team mm-hmm. uh, behind Coburn. So that's why he's playing. Last year, they had the added bonus of him shooting the lights out. I mean, he had an incredible season. He was plus 50% from three. Yeah. On the yeah. Well, that clearly was an aberration. He had never shot anything close to that in his career. And this year we've seen it tilt back the other way. But I think that's, you know, they would have liked to have seen somewhere in between mm-hmm. those two extremes. So the, the lack of shooting hasn't helped, but he doesn't take a lot of shots and his role is not really to be a big scorer. Yeah. So that mitigates it a little bit and he's got value in some of these other areas. Uh, and then Alfonso Plummer, uh, who, who's the six, one grad transfer from Utah. He was kind of a pain in the ass in the first one. Um, 14.9 points a game for him, 43 from the floor, 40 from three, and 90 from the line. He's another one of these guys, though, that struggled lately. He was shooting 47% from three coming into the first MSU game. Yeah. So he's he's dipped by seven points. Um, that happens. When you're at 47%, which direction are you likely to go? Probably down. <laughs> um, 40 still pretty good. The, the thing about Plummer that makes him so difficult is his release is so quick. He's very, very difficult to guard in that way that if you give – he needs less of a window. You know, it's an interesting thing. I think for a lot of guys, when they come in from high school or if they transfer up uh, from a lower level, this may be part of Tyson Walker's issue, at least in terms of his reluctance to shoot at times. Your shot window, the amount of time you've got to get a shot off, is reduced from what you're used to. But Plummer played in the Pac-12. So it's a lot, it's pretty similar Mm. in terms of the caliber of athletes. You know, I don't think the Pac-12 is as good a league as the Big Ten, but it's closer than a mid-major is, certainly. Yeah. So I think that helps him. But he's got such a quick release that the, the, that, that limited, more limited window doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you give him a sliver of time, sliver of space, he's going to get a shot off. Uh, very dangerous player in that way. Even with his recent drops, still, I think you'd have a pretty hard time arguing that he hasn't been the best transfer addition in the conference overall. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's also been okay defensively for them, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Jacob Grandison, 6'6", senior, um, he went from 4.8 points a game last year to 9.9 this year, uh, 45 from the floor, 40 from three, 82 from the line. Another guy that's taken a bit of a hit lately as a shooter, but the season numbers still look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a tough cover. I mean, he's clearly capable of, of hitting threes and that puts a lot of stress on your foreman, you know, and it's it, for Michigan state. I think it's, a I don't worry as much about Malik Hall. I worry about Joey Hauser. I think Joey Hauser in that Penn State game really struggled some defensively um, with uh, with Lundy. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. not able to get to him in some situations. Yeah. Uh, then Kofi Coburn, seven foot, two hundred eighty pounds, twenty one point four points and eleven point three rebounds on sixty one percent from the floor this year. All Big Ten conference uh, player for sure and 64 yeah. percent from the line which is a and, huge improvement and probably right it is but that has declined lately two things have declined lately for him the scorings remained about the same his reboundings remained about the same but two things have gone backward since the first msu game when we didn't see him mm-hmm. his free throw shooting percentage has dropped by about five points so he was in the high 60s now he's in the mid-60s and falling. 
he's also started to struggle again with turnovers. Mm. Um, his assist to turnover ratio is really bad. That's <laughs> not a surprise, but it was better earlier this year. It has gotten worse again lately, and that is a problem, and it, that, that might be related to Illinois not shooting as well from three. Mm. Because it could be that they're not getting the same caliber of kickouts that they were early on mm-hmm. from him. Because that was a big area of improvement for him earlier in the year, but not so now. Look, bottom line is, we and we talked about the defensive deficiencies. He's not much of a rim protector. He really struggles to guard anybody in space. So those are big problems. But um, if he gets the ball in the paint, say goodnight. <laughs> it's just... He's he's almost an impossible guy to stop, and uh, that that's a problem. You know, you know he's gonna you know he's gonna get his. Mm-hmm. Now, you know the question is how much does he get? Can you limit him? Does he go wild but you hold everybody else down? You know these are the he's that kind of player that sort of forces you to think about things that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then off the bench, Curbelo, um, he's still struggling with turnovers. Uh, 35 assists in 11 games, but 30 turnovers. Um, 8.4 points, 35, 20 from three, 76 from the line. Um, I think he's only played about 11 games this year, but 19 minutes average. Yeah, um, look, I, I've been on record with this guy. I I think he I think he causes more problems than he solves. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I'm at with Curbelo. I give credit to Brad Underwood because I thought when he came back there was the potential for a problem. Because well, this guy had been billed to be all everything, which never made any sense to me based on his actual track record um as a freshman. You know, he's he's the kind of guy that Someone who doesn't really pay close attention to the game and doesn't understand it very well would be drawn to because he makes ultra creative plays. He is the highlight reel of all highlight reel point guards in the Big Ten and maybe nationally. Hmm. But the problem with that is for every one of those plays, he just kills you with poor decisions elsewhere. Yeah. And and I think that's been the problem. If you look at his statistics, um, what has he got? 30, what are the assist to turnover numbers? They're horrendous. <laughs> 35 to 30 turnovers. 35 to 30, yeah. That is that is so far from acceptable if you're a point guard. But I, where I was complete my thought, I've got to give Brad Underwood credit because I thought when he came back, okay, there's going to be pressure now. Do you put him back in the starting lineup? Do you... Um, you know, do you start playing him heavier minutes? What does it do to the chemistry? What does it do to the way this team has been functioning, which had been at a pretty high level mm-hmm. with Trent Frazier? And he's limited it. Curbelo's averaging about 19 minutes a game, which is okay. But uh, I give Underwood credit for that because that, that can't be an easy thing to manage. Um you know, it, what what also exacerbates all this is Corbello is also a terrible shooter. Yeah, that, it, yeah, twenty <laughs> percent so, from three, uh, and he's not really that good defensively. So other than that, yeah, he's an All American. <laughs> I just there were there were just there was a, a tone coming out of Illinois the, the, before the season that I just did not understand. And a lot of it, but you know, I, I wasn't bothered by Coburn stuff. Coburn's obviously proven to be a great player. You know, he's got deficiencies, but what he does well, he does really, really well. But the Curbelo hype was just insane to me because he just, you saw the problems. They were manifest last year. Mm-hmm. He turns the ball over way too much and he can't shoot. So, you know, how does that equate to a great point guard? And sure enough, we've seen that nothing much has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Coleman Hawkins, 6'10", 215-pound sophomore, 
5.2 points a game, four rebounds, 45, 28, and 67. Yeah, you know, he was a starter earlier this year, and then Grandison um, supplanted him. He's a guy with real potential because if you're if you're six ten and you can shoot, well, that's a that's a big bonus, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think I would guess that Underwood's probably a little bit disappointed in him because he was a guy last year, kind of a lightly recruited player, who ended up breaking into their rotation as the year went on. I think they're mm-hmm. really excited about him, and he's been okay. You know, he's got a role on this team, but I don't think he's been he's made the impact they thought. You know, they thought he was going to be a starting foreman, and he's not that now. So it seems like this is a hard year to be starting a six ten foreman. It just seems like there's a lot of small ball going on around the Big Ten this year. There there is, but I think the thing they liked about him was they thought, okay, he could stretch the floor offensively. And I think they figured he was mobile enough that he was going to be able to hold up. Mm-hmm. And in theory, that might be right. But in practice, he just hasn't been good enough. Yeah. Uh, and then they got the other big guy they bring off the bench, Omar Payne, 6'10", junior transfer from Florida. Not much production. Two points a game, 1.8 rebounds in about eight minutes. Yeah, the one thing he does is he gives them a shot blocking element. He leads them in shot blocks despite only playing eight minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does, he does give them that, but yeah, he's a, you know, he was a transfer from Florida. I think they thought there was the potential there for him. I, if I remember the, the situation correctly, I could be wrong about this. I don't think I am. I believe they got him at the point that it looked pretty reasonably certain that Coburn was not going to be coming back. Yeah. He was either going to stay in the draft or if he came back, maybe transfer to Kentucky. So, I think when they got him, they were thinking, all right, this might be a guy that's capable of starting for us. When Coburn comes back, you think, hey, we've got a really, really good backup option. Mm. And he hasn't been all that productive. So it's been a little bit of a disappointment there. Yeah, because the, the guy that got most of the playing time in the in the points when Coburn was out was Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk. Um, yep. He's averaging 1.9 points a game, 2.4 rebounds in nine minutes, but he had about eight or nine points against MSU. Yeah, he was, he was good. And he's, you know, he's a guy that I think they think again, long-term like with Hawkins, I think he's a guy who can maybe stretch defenses a little bit, but I like him. He's, he's got a big body. He plays hard, plays with some force, you know, some purpose to what he's doing. So um, we'll see how much those two guys kind of balance the minutes. Yeah. Cause the other guy, Luke Goody in the first one, three for he was three for four from three, um, but he's only averaging two points a game, a little under two rebounds, nine minutes, thirty eight, thirty nine from three, and sixty seven from the line. But you wouldn't yeah. have known it from the first game. Well, he was a guy Michigan State really wanted in recruiting. They recruited him hard out of Fort Wayne, didn't get him, uh, and and boy, he just. He stepped right up in that first one and, and was actually critical, in my opinion, yeah. to getting that win because, you know, it was a one-point game. I mean, nine points from a guy you don't expect to see much scoring from, mm-hmm. that was a big bonus for Illinois. And, and on a night where really their other shooters were not what they normally – I mean, you mentioned Trent Frazier really ended up struggling in that game. Uh, you know, Plummer, I think was okay, but I don't think he had a huge game. Yeah. Um, you know, they really needed that kind of production out of him and, and boy, did he give it to him. Mm. Um, so we, we'll see. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, he has had a pretty steady role for them, but they've got another freshman who I don't think played in the MSU game. If he, the first one, if he did, it was sparingly. And I don't remember him doing anything. RJ Melendez. Yeah, he's I don't also remember six, him. He's also six seven, and he's been playing more lately. So it might be an either or. And Goody, I can't remember whether it was the Northwestern game or this. I think it was the Northwestern game, or maybe it was the Rutgers loss. I'm not sure. Uh, he didn't even play. Mm-hmm. So, and he's played pretty well this whole season. Uh, the thing I liked about Goody too, besides the shooting, was I thought he was really competitive. 
Yeah. Um, he, he banged, you know, he's not a huge kid, but he, he showed that he's capable of, uh, of being a big 10 player in terms of his physicality for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And kind of but fiery Melend- too. Yeah. Melendez is a different kind of guy. He's, he's slight, um, but very talented. He's been a lights out shooter, limited volume, but he's shooting like 67% from three. And, you know, if they're in a situation where um, they've had some guys struggling, well, maybe this is an opportunity for somebody else to uh, to make an impact and help out. Mm-hmm. And he might be a candidate for that. Give him a boost. Yeah. Uh, so then the keys, obviously, number one, Coburn. Um, I mean, they haven't they've basically played him pretty straight up with Bingham a lot. Um, Xavier Tillman didn't guard him much uh, when he was here. And, well, and Bingham has done yeah. pretty good. Let's 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 get the highlight number first. In three career games against Michigan State, Kofi Coburn is ten for twenty-seven from the floor. Yeah, yeah, that's not great. Uh, and the first response I've seen people make when they when when that stat has been trotted out has been, "Well, but Tillman played him twice, right?" Yeah, the thing is, Tillman didn't guard him. Mm-mm. In those games, Michigan State went. They didn't want to. They didn't want to run the risk of losing Xavier to foul trouble, so they didn't play him against uh, against Coburn. Yeah, and it was Marcus Bingham the first game Coburn played against Mich- against Illinois in his career. Uh, Marcus Bingham played up to that point the game of his life. Mm-hmm. He he was fantastic defensively. In subsequent games, it's been Marky, but it's also been other guys. Marvel's taking turns with him. Kefir, when he was here, God help him, had to play some minutes against <laughs> him. You know, it's been a variety of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Sissoko. Uh, but um, the fact is, Kofi Coburn has struggled against Michigan State. Now, that does not guarantee that it happens again. Mm-hmm. You go into these games assuming that a good player is going to play well, right? That's a safe assumption. So that's what I'm going to assume happens. Um, But Michigan State has shown an ability in the past to limit him, and I don't rule out that they are capable of doing that again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we're going to see, as I mentioned earlier, I I think they'll play him straight up. I don't think we're going to see – a lot of aggressive digging down. You may see occasional stuff, but I, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can run a steady diet of that because you're going to leave shooters open and they've got shooters who can get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you just, at, at that point, you take your chances. I can see a scenario where Kofi Coburn has a 30-point game and Michigan State wins. You know, yeah. that can absolutely happen. I think it's tough if Coburn gets 18, but he's spraying the ball around to their shooters and they're killing MSU because they have open looks. Mm. I think that's a more dangerous situation, more dangerous scenario. So I don't think they're going to play him any differently than we've seen in the past. That would be my assumption. Mm. Um, and, And then you just, you know, the other thing too is your big men, have to be able to make him move whether that's in the half court running him through a lot of pick and roll get him out on the floor away from the rim make him work uh certainly you want to see msu get into transition and make him rim run yeah uh you want to have him empty his gas tank you know and but pick and roll him to death maybe <laughs> that, well that's what i'm saying get him out on the floor yeah run him through run him through a ton of pick and roll stuff make him guard uh, so then defend the arc is the second key. Well, and it goes with this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Illinois is a team that is very much capable of winning a game by just shooting the lights out. So Michigan state has got to do, and they did a pretty good job of it in the first game. Yeah. They've got to repeat that. Uh, it's a harder task this time because, you're also dealing with a dominant post player in there, which makes it more challenging. But uh, they got to do it. Mm-hmm. 
You know, the, it, it stacks up very similarly to other games Michigan State has played over the years. I think about the classic example was that Purdue game a few years ago with Isaac Haas yeah. as the big man where MSU just went straight up. Now, you know, the thing was in that game, Michigan State did not have a defensive option in the middle um, the caliber of Marcus Bingham. Mm-hmm. You know, they were playing Isaac Haas a lot with Nick Ward, maybe a little bit with X at the time, who was a true freshman. Um, you know, Markey is capable mm-hmm. of posing a problem, even isolated one-on-one. But I think that's what they're going to do. And as they did in that game, they're not going to let they're not going to let Purdue get in situations where they're spraying the ball around from from out of the post and getting wide open looks. That that's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, then defensive rebounding. Well, it's look in in I think the mind of anybody who's paying attention, you know, turnovers matter, of course, and we're going to talk about them, but they don't matter as much as this. This is the number one with a bullet issue Michigan State is facing right now. No question about it. It is that simple. They have to rebound defensively. If they don't, they're done against this team. You can beat this team if you rebound defensively. If you don't, I don't see a path to victory. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then turnovers, which was actually um, fairly close in this one. MSU had 11. They had seven. Yeah, and Illinois had their own problems. They've been better here lately. It's one of the few areas they've actually improved upon lately mm-hmm. as a team. They got a little better taking care of the ball, but uh, it's still not what I would call a strength. So, um, you know, if you're Michigan State, obviously we know where the problem is. The problem is if you've got a huge dif- negative differential. Mm-hmm. If they can avoid that, keep it to three, four, something like that fine it's not going to be an issue unless they get you know they get pounded on the boards and and that's its own problem Mm -hmm. uh and then the fifth key compete level i think it's definitely where we've seen the the issues here is msu playing down more so than not playing up for the the better opponents but playing just not showing up for weaker opponents well i mean I don't even know that I would agree with that because that wouldn't explain the Wisconsin game. Yeah, I mean, not always, but... It hasn't been consistently that way. Let's put it that way. I think my problem is more generalized. Rather than just a simple motivation problem, Mm -hmm. it's been that Michigan State can't find a consistent level of energy and toughness and activity, regardless of who they're playing. You know? I think it's it's been more the case that it's just been erratic. You know, they gave a great performance in that area against Indiana. Yeah. Then they go on the road to Penn State, and it's the other way. It's just completely lacking. And again, I felt better about my little tirade on our post game hearing Tom Izzo talk today, um, because he said all the same things, and he knows a hell of a lot better than I do. But even I could see it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that game, other than maybe a five minute stretch, was disgraceful. And and they can't win playing that way. You know, I I've seen a number of people on social media complaining about talent level, quote unquote, that Michigan State doesn't have enough talent. That's not true. I'm not saying this is the the best team Tom Ezzo's ever rolled out there. Far from it. Mm-hmm. But they absolutely have enough talent to be a contender in this conference. Absolutely. Not a doubt in my mind. What they don't have is enough talent to do those things if they don't play extremely hard. Yeah. And playing hard is a is equivalent to a talent. It is. And this team has been very, very erratic. Now, Izzo said today, look, we've been working on this, and I've got good guys. So I, what I take from that is he believes that these guys are capable of learning the lesson and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. 
and and he believes that they want to compete. Uh, I'm going to assume that's true. I have no reason to disbelieve that. He knows them far better than any of us do. Uh, but it is fair to say that it has been since the new year, since January 1st, it has been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And that is a problem because they can't win half-assing. Michigan State's had teams, you know, that, that 2017-2018 team, not that they did it very much. I don't think playing hard was much of a problem for that group. But that team had enough talent that there were certainly nights, not all the time, but there were a lot of nights in the Big Ten where they could go out there and and kind of just, you know, lackadaisically go through it and still win because they had so many players, mm-hmm. you know. There have been other Michigan State teams like that. The certainly the the last couple of years of the and again it wasn't a problem. We didn't see it happen very much. But the Cleves teams, um, the year after Cleves left, the two thousand two thousand one team certainly had that kind of talent level. Um, you know, maybe the oh four oh five team had that. There have been teams that had it. Yeah, this is not one of them. It absolutely isn't, you know, they need to be much more like I, you know, I think about teams like, um, the, uh, the Oh six Oh seven team Neitzel's junior year, mm. where it was drew Neitzel, Raymar Morgan, and not a lot of health <laughs> in terms of quote unquote talent, but that team competed its ass off all the time, all the time. And, they ended up having a decent season because of it better than anybody. That was, that was supposed to be the team that ended the NCAA tournament streak. Mm. Nobody believed they had enough. Well, they got there and they actually won a game because they competed their asses off. This team needs, I don't know. It's late in the year. It's late to find that kind of gear. Um, But this team needs to find something within itself that allows them to play that way. You know, I, 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 I've been thinking more about those, those two offensive rebounds that Hara got late and that, that just sunk them. And particularly yeah. the one, I have less of a problem with the one where Marvel kind of blocked his shot and, and it didn't go very far. And Hara just kind of less of a problem with that. Mm-hmm. The one where he got an offensive rebound off somebody else's shot where there were three MSU guys around him and he gets it. Yeah. Um, and I go back to that play. Gabe Brown stood there, stood and watched, didn't react. I would have been okay with a foul. He should be with everything he's got. With re- If there was ever a moment for reckless abandon, that was it. Mm-hmm. You go flying to the ball. That's what I'm talking about. And, and we've seen it, but not consistently. And that's, I was going to say, when you really look at that game, you got to be disappointed with the captains. Gabe Brown and Malik yeah. Hall that were just non-existent. And that yeah. can't happen. You captains can't be non-existent. It's just. Right. And, and not even, I, you know, it's one thing to say, well, they're not producing. They're not scoring. They're not re- okay. That, that happens occasionally. But then you want to see, if they're not doing those things, you want to see some examples of leadership, like I'm talking about. Big moment, you're on the floor because it's a big moment. Mm-hmm. Shot goes up and isn't hit. Man, where are you? you got to be on the floor going after that ball. you got to be killing guys to get to that ball. The only guy on that court who was playing as if he would go through his own mother to win was John Harris. Mm-hmm. nobody in black and and that just that cannot happen and it especially can't happen from captains you're right so that to me is the biggest uh tell for this game and for the rest of the season mm-hmm. point blank you know it can can you go out there and match or surpass the effort level of the other guys now look illinois not been a great road team this year. They, they, these two games recently, they get got smacked around. We're both on the road. Um, they're, but they're going through their own thing. You know, they've lost two or three. You think they're not coming in here 
with an idea to get a big win and to stay in it at the top, to not lose any more ground. Of course they are. They're coming in highly motivated. Mm -hmm. I would expect nothing less. That is an experienced team. You know, a lot of veterans. You got two super seniors. You got a, a senior transfer from Utah. Coburn's in his third year and has played a ton of basketball. Grandison's played a ton of basketball. You know, they are going to come in. I would be shocked if they don't come in and play extremely hard. So can you match them? Can you surpass them? If, if we can say yes to that, I give Michigan State a great chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. If, if we don't say that, no chance. That simple. Okay. Well, this one's Saturday at noon. Any final thoughts? I think I think we've covered it. You know, it's a big game. Really big game. It would be a big game under any circumstances because the opponent is up there in the standings. Michigan State lost to them in frustrating fashion mm-hmm. in the first game. And, uh, you know, that makes it big anyway. But, but where MSU is in its season makes it even bigger. Yeah. They've got something to prove to themselves. Yeah, yeah, because they, you don't want to. I don't want to see them cruising out of this thing and just get getting a nine seed, eight seed. You know, try to finish this off. You know, man. Yep. Six six games left. Oh, just look what they did exactly. last year with six games. Exactly. Left. Six games left. Put it all on the line. Mm-hmm. Play like you've got nothing to lose because you don't. Really? Yeah. I mean, you don't. All right. Well, we'll hope for a good performance and, and come back with everybody after that one. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.